What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We got a loaded show for you. So for those of you tuning in, this is Common Sense, the podcast, where we talk about everybody's journey, where you gain the knowledge so that you don't have to make the same mistakes. Because from mistakes, people have experiences. Once you have the experience, then you're less likely to make those mistakes. So we sit down, share a journey over a cigar, some bourbon. This week I have one of my really good friends that I've known for, God, it's got to be 15 years now. Because I've been with Element for 15 years, so I've known you for at least 15 years now. But uh, We met in 2010. Okay, yeah, so 13 years at least. So, yeah. Everybody, welcome Brian Levy to the show. What's up, my man? Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. Glad Appreciate to have you on finally. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we've talked about this for a little while, but like we weren't sure the world was ready for this a little yet. Little gun shy. I don't like talking about myself. I like talking about others. Yeah. But I'll I'll do what I can. I, I I'm not I'm not gonna lie, like, I've so been looking forward to this show just because like I know what our lunches and our happy hours are like right? when we start vibing and just talking about life and stories and like I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. So he says we should get this on tape, and I'm like, no, 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 this isn't like yeah. this is not for public knowledge. <laughs> yeah. so. yeah. You sure they're not going to kick us off the air? So when you see me blush, it's because I'm like, holy shit, we're yeah. going to. It's actually- not from all the vacations and traveling he does. He's not like sunburned. He's just not been tanning a lot just lately. Just blushing. Just blushing. Well, welcome to the show, man. But I have been on vacation, so it's good to be back. Yeah, you you're always on vacation. Like I get I get that shit a lot, especially at work. Like, right? You know, oh, you're yeah. always on again. vacation, or you're entertaining a client in that vacation, or whatever. Like, have you ever? I I love to ask estimated project managers. This. Have you ever entertained a client? Like, do you work. actually know what that's like? It's work. It's work. Yeah. You have to put in work. You have to be on your best behavior. You have to cater to them. You have to take care of them. Have to stay, Some easier than others. Stay partially sober. Stay partially sober. You yeah. know, like, make things work. Yeah. Like, you're still working. You can't just get sauced and have a great time and make an ass out of yourself because then you're going to pay for those consequences. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the stories will be retold. Oh, for Always. sure. Especially in the multifamily industry. Yeah. Which you know, which I guess, let's start there. Because that's where we actually met. Yeah. I think I remember... The first time I vividly remember is like talking to you at a trade show. You you started hitting me up walking by. We struggled conversation. And then I remember the next trade show I saw you and you were like, Hey man, you'd look really good in a J4 shirt. I tried I to hire like, you. Yeah, you tried to hire me. And I was like, Well, you'd look really good in an element shirt, and it'd probably open up more doors for you, and you're like, Touche. Well played. Yeah. That's exactly how it went down. Yeah. Yeah, I always tried to get you to come over. You did. You did. Yeah, I know and talent, right? Yeah. I mean, at the time, if I was going to make a change, you were somebody in the industry I would have worked with. Likewise. You know, I, like, I mean, like, there, I can't say that about a lot of people because there's people that I compete with that I respect, and there's people I don't. But I, I don't talk about those I don't. But at the same time, I don't try to interact a lot with those. You know, like there's certain ones that like, because we realize in the multifamily industry, it, you know, in our line of work at GCs, what you used to do, um, you're always competing with at least three other people. Yep. Like everybody wants three bids, which I still think to this day is the dumbest thing because 
any GC is going to get three or four bids from all their subs. So really, when you get three bids from three GCs, you're getting like nine, ten bids. And it's usually the same subs. That and it's the same subs. Them, so, we we right. all use most from the same little pot of subs. So you're just like, who who wants this more? Whose overhead is here? Right. Who's closer? And then the really, that we realized later on that that doesn't even matter. It's how good is your relationship with this person? Because that's really what it boils down to in the end. You hit the nail on the head, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationships. And I think that's what made me and you so great in the business. Yeah. We have the relationships. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a sale, it's a relationship. Sale. Yeah. I, I, was just, I was always impressed by the way you sold and how you held conversations with people. I think that's why I said what I said and when I said like, if I was going to make a change back then, it would have been with somebody like you. I, w I would have been happy to be a part of your team because either though my approach and how we do sales, how we go about leads, everything is so night and day different because there was a time period, I guess I can say this now, that when you left your former people, you interviewed with us. Yeah. Like, but the way you do sales and the way you go about it was so red versus black and white to what we do right. that like the other owners at element were like they they couldn't even wrap their minds around what you were doing and how you were going about your business like i think when you came in and laid down like hey this is what i would want xyz this is how i like to do things they were just like who is this guy wait do you even sell construction and multifamily like right. they didn't understand it like because you just come from a whole different mind frame of how you go about like you were way more heavy, like where we've always been very management company heavy. You were way more direct to the owner. I ain't even messing with the management company. No, I never talked to the management companies. Yeah. It was interesting <clears throat> in the day, back in the day, this was 2009, and the market crashed, and I was doing lead generation yeah. for an internet company. And I saw an ad, I guess on LinkedIn, and there was a company, and I vividly remember it said, we're looking for somebody that understands relationship sales that has, who has no construction experience whatsoever. Now, I have Velcro sneakers and a Betamax. I know nothing about construction. Right. But they wanted somebody that could sell at the sea level. And that's what I had been doing most of my career. And so it was just a shoe in. It was yeah. like, this is a natural fit. Absolutely. And I hit the ground running and I truly had no experience whatsoever in, in construction or the industry. Well, and what's funny to me about that is it's almost like, I won't name a name, I hope you're <laughs> listening, because one of our favorite other friends in the industry loves to go around and tell people, I know jack shit about construction. Like, yeah, I worked in an asphalt team when I was in college, but <laughs> I really don't know anything. Like, I know people, but like, and I mean, I'll sell you whatever you need, but like, I really don't know anything about this. Like, right. but my team here, I'll bring my team in and they'll take care of you. That's like, that always blew my mind. Like you could just openly come in and be like, I literally know jack shit about Nothing. construction and sell. But everybody has, a, everybody has a seat on the bus. You have to and have the right seat. I can get yeah. us in the door, but I'm not gonna tell you how many linear feet of yeah. brick, steel, whatever, but my guys can. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have drinks with the owner and let me know when you got that bid ready. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was the approach. Uh, and yeah, I mean that's a cool approach. Like, 
Uh, there's times I look at it and like, I, I wish my job was that simple. I wish I just had that team that I, that's it all worked. I got to do. I worked myself out of a job. <laughs> hey, I don't think you could complain too much, though, because no. your job now seems pretty damn sweet. I do love what I do. All right. I do love well, before we transition to that, there's one thing we need to talk about because I get beat up on this all the time. So apparently I don't talk enough about what we're drinking and what we're smoking. Oh, well, let's and talk about it. And a lot of you guys really do this. I know... Brian's really excited to be smoking a cigar because Brian got remarried recently. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say very recently, which I never thought was going to happen again. Like, if you'd have let me place odds on this, I was like, now I've told him, like, and I still haven't got to do this yet. We keep trying to plan it, and it hasn't worked out with schedules, but I got to meet your new wife. Like, the lady that said yes, uh, I got to meet her. because. Right? There's got to be something super special about she's her. She's super special. She's the real deal. I tell her she's a real woman. Yeah. She's the real deal. She has to I be. I am a lucky she's man. She, like, goes hunting with you and, like, fishing. Now fishing. I've turned her into an angler. She's never once fished in her life. Now she's catching marlin and mahi-mahi. Yeah, like, crazy. You have what they call a unicorn. Yeah. A, a unicorn. You I have a unicorn. unicorn. I mean, I did that with Sarah. Like, I got her into fantasy football, and my buddies were like, how do you have your wife asking you if you can go to Buffalo Wild Wings on a Sunday and get NFL Network and you Red have Zone? a uni? I hang out with Sarah. You yeah. have a unicorn right. also, yeah. and she shoots pool. Yeah, but if you told me yeah. this dude was going to find a unicorn, I, I'd I'd bet you money against I, this. The, the disclaimer is, it did take sixteen years. It did take sixteen. It years. took sixteen that's, years. That's fair. And you enjoyed all of those sixteen years vicariously through me. Oh man, you had some of the craziest funniest stories for sure but what we're drinking what we're smoking since that's where we were headed with this so tonight i am drinking cream of kentucky which is a jim rutledge bottle and bond straight rye whiskey something i really like uh rutledge notorious in the bourbon whiskey industry i mean hall of fame distiller like this dude's awesome we've also got a little bit of bullet 10-year bottle here um, and Brian is a scotch guy. The basics. Your total basics. He's like, get me the Johnny Walker. And I'm like, cool, that's easy for me because I'm not a scotch guy. Yeah. My dad killed scotch for me when I was a kid. And yeah, I can't. There's very, I can do some very unpeated scotches, but Johnny Walker is very peated to me. I can't, I can't touch that. Well, I feel the same about bourbon. So yeah. L'chaim. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> And then smoking-wise, he hasn't got to smoke a cigar in a while, so he said, get me something light, something creamy. So we went with the Patoro Terra Blanche for him. It's a cigar that I smoke regularly. It's really light, really creamy, pairs well with just about anything. I think it's a top-notch cigar. It's something you can get here at Industrial Cigar Company. It's here almost all the time. Do you drink coffee? I do drink coffee. Uh, phenomenal. I, we coffee. gotta get him another one. Have this with your first cup of coffee. Psh, I don't know if excellent. Sandy's gonna let me back in the house after this one, but Yeah, you might have to well, okay, show well. the Febreze tricks <laughs> right, and like right. the bounty So if tricks. you don't do cigars normally, we have to take them through cigar one on one. Soon as you hit the door, go straight to the laundry room, strip butt ass naked, hit the shower, brush your teeth. Then say hello. Then I'm in? All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brush then, your yeah, tongue right. too. I told you Sandy get it all. the format and I'm like Scotch, bourbon, cigars, and she's like, 
you're doing a podcast, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. well, it's different than mine. So, yeah. yeah, a little different than yours. Yeah. Yeah, we We're not down. on the WB or anything yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, we get down around yeah. here. Le- Le- Levy's a little famous here, you know, so we got to make sure we watch that. I'm smoking a Patoro as well. I'm just smoking the red label. It's a little more full-bodied, a little more flavor, a little more boldness to it. It's not peppery, um, but something else I, I enjoy. I've smoked a lot of the black label lately, so... I just wanted to mix it up, so that's what I've got for now. I've also, just because these got back in the lounge, I thought I was really doing something cool, and I suggested this to Brandon, and I found some when I was in Hawaii, and when I told him, he was like, I'm smoking this right now. It just arrived at the lounge. Highly underrated cigar that I really like as well, the Herrera Esteli by Drew Estate. I don't smoke a lot of Drew Estate, but... This Miami one, it's a lot more bold and a little more punch than what we're, either of us are smoking. But uh, paired with a nice rye or co- this one with coffee, too, is phenomenal. So that's the other one I've got sitting here for those of you wondering. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Because I... You could probably explain this better than I can. So, and I, you got so many divisions here that I gotta try not to fumble this up. So, Manchester Care, right? Like, is the umbrella. So, Manchester Living is Living. the umbrella. All right. That's the, 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 the main company. Okay. And under that company, we have two divisions. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, to, just to dumb it down and yeah. keep it simple, you come to us or we go to you. Yep. So, we have Manchester Care Homes, four boutique assisted living care homes in Dallas. What's a, what's a residential care home? People say, well, what does that mean? Imagine, everybody knows assisted living, right? I mean, yeah. we've all had some sort of... Family member or something right. that's had to be... Our concept is residential care. Mm-hmm. High level, very high touch care. So we have four care homes with eight master bedrooms in each home. And I've seen these homes, like when he said these are nice homes, like they've bought estates, homes that are very well laid out, like in very nice neighborhoods that are like well-kept, pressed and hollow type stuff. Because, I mean, I know you and I talked, shared some subs while you guys were doing different things for certain things. The care homes, actually, we bought homes. Yeah. Like we bought a fire, you know. Yeah. And then bring the home down to grade and build the home from scratch because... All of our homes, imagine a, a home in Preston Hollow with yeah. eight bedrooms and nine bathrooms. You're not going to renovate a house and mm. throw in nine bathrooms. You've got to build it from the ground up. Yeah, so you're so buying the lot, basically. Basically buying the lot. In 2009, we built, 2009 and 2010, we built two and two, four homes with eight master bedrooms and nine bedrooms. Yeah. No. <laughs> eight bedrooms and nine bathrooms. Each, each bedroom is an ensuite bedroom bathroom attached yeah so if somebody you know yeah of course they can share a room if they're a couple but we don't have any shared rooms we don't have any jack and jill bathrooms most of the concepts for care homes in dallas are old renovated homes yeah with shared rooms and jack and jill bathrooms to a completely different concept than ours right or i say we're the ritz carlton of elder care yeah and if you guys know Brian, if he's involved in it, it's definitely at that level. <laughs> Top notch. Top notch, Top notch for sure. So how'd, you asked me how I got started. My grandmother was a resident in one of our care homes. 
Okay. And I, I knew nothing about it. I was actually in construction at the time. Yeah. And um, my kids and the owner's kids uh, are friends. And we were at a Y Guides, you know, Boy Scout camp out. And he looked at me and he says, I know you. And I said, no, you don't. And he said, yeah, I've seen you at Manchester. Like, oh, my God, you do know me. How, how did you have what's your, what's your, he says, that's my house. I'm, I'm in the assisted living business. I'm like, oh, my God. My, so he knew my grandmother better than he knew me. Right. And so um, we became friends, the owner and I. Yeah. And um, that was about the time that I was easing out of, of multifamily construction renovation. And uh, he said, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out my next move. What am I going to do next? I, yeah. love the, I love the industry, but I'm not with that company anymore. And he said, I'll back you. Let's go. Have an opportunity to someone that believes in me is hang out a shingle. Yeah. And so I started building my own company, doing the same thing, different clients, different everything. And um, we got going. And a couple of years into it, um, the assisted living company was doing really well, but the, the homes were full. And we had a family come to us and say, we want a room in this house, but you're full. Mom's still living in our living room. Can you send somebody to our house to take care of her until we can move into your house? Quickly realized that's a business in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Hence the we go to you. So we got licensed as what's, what's now considered PAS, Personal Assistance Services, in the state of Texas. Okay. Got licensed as, as, uh, as an agency to provide in-home care. That company, we were growing 30% every year. Every year. Yeah, I mean, it's booming. You have a very large of the baby boomers and stuff like Huge. all getting to that age where now they need it. Their parents, if they're still around, definitely need it. And That's right. And the market is like, there's not enough of what you guys there's, actually do. There's not enough. Yeah. So you come to us or we go to you. And I'm a, I'm a believer, if you can afford this age in place, age in place. Stay home. Yeah. You don't need to go anywhere. We're going to have caregivers come to you. And so that's kind of my main focus these days is to grow that division. Uh, we just opened an office in Fort Worth, soon to be San Antonio, Houston, and Austin. Awesome. Uh, and we're off and running that's that's amazing because like and and this is something i want to tell to anybody that's following that is in sales how important it is to answer your phone if you ever are with this guy like i can't believe like he legit when i told him he had to put his phone on silent for the show he almost had a panic attack he's like i don't even do this on airplanes (laughs) and that's a bold statement for him right but like i'm not kidding this guy's phone rings non-stop. I mean, an average hour lunch for us, I bet you end up having to take eight or nine calls yeah. minimum. And, like, you can't afford not to, but, like... Do you remember the other day I told you my analogy? Yeah, and this so, is awesome. Like, that's why I mentioned this, because I want you to share this, especially for all the salespeople that listen to this, because sometimes in sales, like... It is so important that you take that call one way or another to step out. And having the art of being able to do that, even when you're in a meeting or a, a lunch f- meeting. fishing boat. Or a fishing boat. First of all, I'm excited my phone's ringing. No one's yeah. inviting me to lunch. They're calling because they're in crisis mode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I told you this story, and I'll share it with your, your audience here. 
when my phone rings, it's kind of like, in, for elder care purposes, it's kind of like somebody that needs a plumber. They're in crisis mode because the toilet's overflowing. They're going to call plumbers until someone answers. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with elder care. They're just going through the list because they don't know who to call. Yeah. And oftentimes I get, hello, is this a real person? Whether it's Sunday morning at 8.30 or Tuesday night at 9.30. Yeah. Hello? And I answer my phone. I was in a meeting with our boss, my, my CEO, um, a couple weeks ago. And he knows how I am with my phone. You know, I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the phone. I'm like, oh, my God, trying to, oh, shit, what do I do? And uh, he was watching me. He's like, what are you going to do? And I said, hold on a minute. I answered the phone. Gentleman told me what he was calling about. And I said, let me tell you something. I'm almost out of a meeting. Can I have 15 minutes? I'll call you right back. And I looked at the timestamp. 13 minutes later, I called him back. He had already hired another company to take care of his mom. We're a dime a dozen. He didn't know our differentiating factors. He didn't know who we were compared yeah. to any other company. I never had a chance to tell him. Never got the opportunity. So I answered my phone. Yeah. And I mean, you guys are at a point now where you've partnered up with people and you, you're building a reputation now that like, I mean, you guys are on the WB, you're on the nightly news. You, I mean, I, I, I tease you cause it's fun that, you know, I was, did I just see you on like good morning, Texas? <laughs> like seriously, Levy, what are you what doing? Right. Like, only you like you're like the celebrity hound like i joke with you all the time like if tmz hadn't have been created like when it was and you had had that opportunity you would have been the perfect tmz i missed my calling you totally, totally missed, missed your missed calling. calling i still believe that to this day yeah as good as you are and all the other stuff you've done and put your hands on if i could monetize cool. that skill yeah be, but quite honestly and and this is interesting I use that as an example of how do you get in the door? How do you get backstage? How do you get into Oscar parties? How do, it's sales. Yeah. It's don't bullshit a bullshitter. Let me tell yeah. you, I belong here. And act like you know what you're doing and you're in. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it is. And this sounds like bullshit, but like I'm <laughs> telling all of y'all, like he is a master at this craft. Like. That, that's where, like, when I saw your sales tactics and how you operated, I was like, God, I could learn so much from this dude. Like, you, you legit have it down when it comes to that stuff. Like, it reminds me of, like, at first it just reminded me of when I was really young and my neighbor was mentoring me in sales and stuff. And he was a guy that was doing, like, big mergers and acquisitions and stuff. And, like, I was just fascinated watching him do these deals. And, like, we set up all these little, little subsidiary bullshit companies to like mom and pop things like take care of your honeydew list yeah, and all yeah. this stuff and I did that for like two years with him and it was like it was just this crazy time but like he had me studying so much material like guerrilla sales tactics and like all these different things and coffees for closers and, you know just like yeah all that stuff and, like when I first watched you I was like god damn this dude is like a 1990s 2000 novel of like all these tactics combined, but like, he's like a ballet dancer doing this stuff. Like he just bobs and weaves through all of this. It's amazing. And for you to say that about me, I truly am. I'm, yeah. I'm humbled. I'm honored because you are the genius at it. You've you've got you've you've got it down pat in your industry. You've you've built that. Well, I you appreciate understand that. Re relationship sales. Yeah. Hence, look at your business. Yeah. You've you've reached that level of you've got it. But also, it's a lot of building trust and building relationships. 
People trust you. And a lot of people think that happens overnight and stuff. And it's like real now, like it's, you know, some of the younger generations come in and stuff and they see some of this stuff too. And it's like, you weren't here to watch the nights I slept on the couch in the office. Exactly. Doing all this stuff and all the work I put in over 15 years to get where I am now. Like, this is my 15th year at Element. Like, no I can't believe it's been that long now, but like, yeah, like September but will be 15 you know, years. You know what, what it really all comes down to is integrity. And you built your book of business on you, mm-hmm. which is integrity. Yeah. You do the right thing always. And I know Element does that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank That's you. Why I, I appreciate that. I wanted to trade shirts a- and get you onto my team because. Mm-hmm. Mine would have opened up more doors. I still stand behind that. It's integrity. It's integrity. Mine's, my shirt's still around, for the record. Uh-huh. I'm not... Is, is that shirt still around? You know what I... <laughs> I mean, I like, can't believe I'm going to tell the story. You know what I did with my shirts? Yeah, but, like, I mean, like, legit, though, before you tell the story, like, are they still around? I don't think so. I don't think so, either. Like, I'm, I'm not positive. I could be wrong, but, like... I have heard that they're not. Okay. And I've heard that they've changed forms. Okay. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to integrity. There's a, um, a really, really nice homeless man who panhandles at LBJ and Preston. I know. I was just right by your office. So, yeah, right by my office. Yeah. And this man has the nicest attire <laughs> of, any, of any homeless man in town. I have, he has $200 he's got, polos logoed oh, he's with got logo company's name on them. Pullovers, polos, <laughs> the whole thing. Umbrellas. I have, he has a whole new wardrobe. He's a truly nice man, but I've, that's, that's where you see my shirts. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's where they belong. <laughs> yes, sir. So you met this guy, but like, what made you decide to like completely jump over to elder care? I mean, because like, that's so, like not a – I mean, it's not like, you know, multifamily, when you spend that much time building it up in multifamily, you were in multifamily for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Like, most people bounce around or can bounce around in multifamily, but they're still in multifamily. You completely exited, left field. Like, you're, out. you're like, out, I'm doing this now. Like, what, what made you jump to elder care and find a passion with that? Because, like, I know you, you have to passionately believe in something to sell it. Like, you're like me. Like, if I don't believe in the product we're putting out there, like, right. I can't sell that. Like, right. if all my project managers sucked, I mean, because essentially I'm selling my project managers services. I'm selling them managing jobs that yeah. my clients don't have the time to manage or run themselves or don't have all the resources to pull in to do it. So if, if their product sucks and I don't believe in it, how the hell can you sell that? Right. So, like, where did you find the passion or how did you find this passion for elder care? Was it the experience with your grandmother or how did no, that I'll, I'll, transition? I'll tell you straight out. I, first of all, I knew nothing about elder care whatsoever other than the fact that I officed with my, my business partner that I was business, business yeah. partner in construction for 4210. Yeah. And so I heard everything. And, yeah. you know, there's some pretty crazy stories in elder care. I mean, it's a sitcom waiting to happen. Right. And, you know, the, uh, neither of us were having fun in it. And he's an entrepreneur. And Mark um, that down right now, though. I'm telling you, there will be a sitcom, and he's probably going to be behind that at some point. Like, so I want that on the record that I'm calling it out now. We, um, about a year ago, actually had a TV movie producer come in who's a friend of mine come in to talk to us about doing a sitcom because I'm telling see, you, I told you. See, th- my day-to-day, yeah. we, we laugh about it. We're like, okay, here's, here's chapter four. Yeah. Here's the next episode. I mean, there's 
just absolutely crazy stories, and we can get into some of those later. I'm sure your audience will be amused. But um, I, I've always said I want to be so passionate about what I do that I don't feel like it's work. And yeah. I hated renovations so much. The, the subcontractors and the, the, just the bullshit. The babysitting. Babysitting. That I, I really did. I wanted out. Um, but I didn't really know where to, where to go, go or what to do. And, you know, kudos to my, my CEO and my dear friend Adam. He walked to my office one day and he goes, you know what? We just started this new division and I really need you over here to do this. And I didn't blink. I'm like, great. How do we, how do we make this happen? Get me out of this. And soon thereafter, shut down 4210 and off and running with Cambridge. Yeah. And I mean, I, I literally remember the day he walked in my office and just started going through the lexicon of elder care terms and acronyms. And I mean, I'm just writing frantically and slowly learned not just the business, but who's who in the business. Yeah. And it, it snowballed from there. I mean, cause I, yeah, I mean, it was sad for me when 4210 shut down, too, because you and I, like, even though technically we were competitors, we networked so much and so well. It was like, Golf hey, what do you need? Like, yeah. hey, bro, I need this. Like, uh, well, shit, I don't have a wood flooring guy. Like, I just, hey, here's my guy. Call this dude. Here's three names. Hey, I, man, I'm hurting for an estimator right now. Or, hey, man, like, this job is totally not my cup of tea. I'm too busy. I can't take this on, but I don't want to just hand it off to anybody. Here you go, man. Like, make this phone call. Element was doing, it's still it. They're yeah. doing the big projects in 4210. We were just, we were just happy to get the $100,000, yeah. $500,000 job. We'll take it. We'll do it. Yeah, but there uh, was but like several that I had that it was just like, man, like, I can't take care of this client or I don't, hey, if you want to roll the dice, I don't have time to roll the dice with this dude. Like, but here's a lead, like, and I was in the position where I had to, I had yeah. to roll the dice because I needed the business, right? And then start up a relationship with that company, and they're buying, and they're growing, and they're they got a fire, and they got a flood, and mm -hmm. we, were, we were there for them. Um, but like you were saying, the babysitting with the, the the subcontractors and all of that craziness. When you're wearing all those hats early all on, all of those hats and the buck stops here, and you got to make payroll, and all of a sudden a subcontractor is a flat yeah. tire, and you're going to buy him a tire. Just to, to make sure he can, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brutal. I, Element made me in like the first, you know, the first three years I spent estimating for my boss, while I was learning and building up my portfolio to sell full time. And in that process, I remember one of my first jobs I sold. They made me project manage it. I remember going out of this job on a Saturday, and these guys couldn't figure out where to buy t-bar from and we're literally welding angle iron trying to make their own t-bar and had done like i don't know a handful of balconies like this and we're damn near about to catch a building on fire when i showed up welding on these buildings and i was like oh stop like the, what are you guys even doing and i I went back in that next Monday and I was like, listen here, I was hired to estimate with a promise to go into sales. I'm working on the sales part. I never signed up to be a project manager. And I can tell you right now, I never want to be a project manager. And if I'm ever. ever asked to be a project manager again, I'm out. 
You can just take that as my two weeks notice. But your like, guys believed well, in you to elevate you oh, to yeah. be in the seat that you needed to be in. Right, right, right. But it was like one of those things like there's still parts of my job that if you ask me to do some of these things or parts of what I do, I said, not my job, but part of what I do as a company, they're like, there's no way. Like, project me a favor? After the show, will you tell me what T-Bar is? Because I was in construction for 10 years. <laughs> How did I know I you were going to say that? nothing. Nothing. I'm going to tell you real quick. You know the metal flashing across the balconies? I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I, I had to explain this recently. So, like, yeah. I truly knew enough to be dangerous, and the rest was left up to my subs, my estimators. My, yeah. You know, I'm there. Yeah, I was always just that. I don't think you ever wrote an estimate in your life. That's funny you would say that. I wrote one. I wrote one. I wrote one, and it was so fucked up that it never got turned in. I think it, I think it got turned in as comedy. Yeah. But I'm not the estimator. Yeah. I don't know what that shit costs. I was so envious that I was like, how do you get that? But you build a team, and everybody does, mm-hmm. everybody does the right thing. So when I started in construction, it was just me and the owners. Mm-hmm. And... They got so busy with all of the RFPs that I brought in. We were up there on a Saturday one day, and they were like, dude, we're, we're not your bitch. Go hire a team. We're happy to build a team out, but we're not going to do all of this every, every yeah. weekend. And that's when we started to build a, a sales team of account yeah. managers that are going out there. So I would tee it up, and I would just lob it to them yeah. one after the other. And that's how the company was built. Man, that's just, that's so wild to me because this is But so I took that model and I brought it over to elder care. And now I have a team of the most amazing, really empathetic people that can work with people on a level where it's authentic. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's got to be key to that too. Because I'm thinking about now, you know, we recently put my grandmother on my mom's side in a more assisted living place. And like, I know just listening to my mom talk about that and like all the headaches of that, of like, they promised they had all these things. They don't, you know? And then it's like, she needs more care. She needs somebody to help her make sure she's taking the right medications, right. not overtaking them. Cause she forgets and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, well we can have this. And then like, she's at a point where, I don't need your help. And I should turn away the help when it actually gets there because they don't just have somebody that's normal. Right. I don't need them. So it's like when you're doing that crisis, like who do you call? Like how do you know who to call? Like so what are you guys doing from a marketing standpoint of like letting people know that like if you don't know who to call, like call the Ghostbusters, you know, like type. Right. Who do you call? You're going to Google it. Elder care. You know, what do you do? Uh, it's, it's a great question. I mean, <clears throat> there are most of our competitors in Dallas. Let's just take Dallas. For yeah. instance, most of our competitors are franchises or corporate. So we're one of the only locally owned and operated agencies in Dallas, which is a fun position to be in competition wise. Yeah. Because we can do things that our competitors can't. You know, for one, let's take our staff. Our staff are our biggest asset. We have about 200. Because there's a huge staffing issue with what you do now, too. Yes, but At least from what I know. Yeah, absolutely. But not with us, because we can do things differently. So a franchise is is held by certain boundaries, if you will, where they can't do things like 401k, P 
PTO, gas stipend, health insurance, no interest loans, things that we do for our staff that make them sticky. Yeah. I and mean, I have caregivers that have been with us 12, 13 years. They bring their family to work for us because they know we're going to do them right. Yeah. And, and honestly, they're the ones with their hands on my clients' loved ones. I have to believe in them. I have to know them. Yeah. And so you talk about the integrity and you talk about the sales. I have to know that if I send a caregiver to someone's house, they don't know the caregiver, but they know me. And it's my word. Yeah. So that goes back to who's our staff? Yeah. How are they trained? How are they treated? Are they going to be sitting in my client's kitchen on the phone looking for another job? No way. Yeah. I'm confident they're not. Yeah. Because there, there's a huge shortage of people in the healthcare industry right now. Like, and I'm sure you guys are hiring the Every day. best and the brightest. Every day. That you can yeah. to bring in there for these type of things. Because you have Alzheimer's and dementia skyrocketing in numbers. ALS. ALS, all we these diseases all these that diagnoses. like before were not as prevalent, but now are at the forefront with that generation. Our generation, I mean, I remember growing up talking about my simple uncle. Mm -hmm. He had dementia. But as a kid, he was the simple uncle that we just kind of set aside. Right. Now it's out in the open. It's diagnosed. And we know how to, we know, and I say no, we had to treat it. We know how to address it. Yeah. There are seminars and books and, I mean, podcasts, there's everything on how to communicate with somebody with dementia. Yeah. You know? And um, that's part of our training program with our staff. We're not just going to throw you to the wolves. We're going to train you on how to address whatever situation it is, whether it's the machinery that goes along with um, ALS or just communicating with somebody with dementia. It's a skill. you got to train them. Yeah. So is the services you guys provide, is it like for everyone? Like, do you accept insurance or is this something that like, this is only for people that have the money to be able to pay for your services? Good question. So in, in elder care and in-home care, uh -huh. it's called PAS or private duty service. Okay. It's only covered by private pay, the almighty dollar, or long-term care insurance. Okay. So the generation that we're working with right now a lot of people have long-term care insurance that was part of their pension or part of their retirement program from a big company like Sears or IBM. Mm -hmm. You know, here's your retirement package. Oh, by the way, you get this policy too. Well, they didn't really know what that was. Now that's paying for their care. Yeah. Some policies are better than others, but at the end of the day, long-term care insurance is long-term care insurance. So it's either supplementing what they're going to have to pay or they're just going to cover it all. And that covers our care homes and our private duty service. And the rest is just private pay. And we've built a reputation in Dallas where we do serve the affluent clientele. So I have a lot of clients that don't even talk about money. They don't care what it costs. They want to know who's coming, how often are they coming, and I want the best of the best and of the best. And how fast can this person can, they, can you come over tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody calls me. Nobody calls me and says, hey, next week I think my dad's going to fall. Yeah. In three weeks, mom's going to be diagnosed with Parkinson's and I might need care. Yeah. Nobody's planning this in advance. And so every call, you know, you talk about my phone ringing, it's yeah. crisis mode. Every day somebody calls crying, literally in tears. Yeah. They cry. I cry. We cry together. I throw an icebreaker out and now we have a rapport. That's, that's my day. Man. So how do you think we do a better job or like 
people our age planning for that, like to be able to have that kind of care. Because I think everybody goes into this. I mean, like, I, you know, I realize how little of a job I've done preparing for retirement. You know, I'm only 43, but like, that ain't that long, man. Like, it's I need to like, corner. yeah, around the corner. So yeah. like, jump on it, like stuff like that. So like, what do you, what do you think people our age need to pay more attention to or look into that would help them? Because like, I think a lot of people that hear what you say would be like, oh yeah, that's what I want when I'm, I'm at that point. Right. But like, but can you get, afford that? Or like, you don't, do you have point. the private funds to do that? Or how do you prepare yourself to be able to have that kind of care? Plan, plan, plan. You have to know not just your funds, but what are your wishes? You know, there's a, um, there's a program, a national program called the Conversation Project. I encourage all of your listeners to look it up. Conversation a, Project. The Conversation Project. And essentially, the premise of the Conversation Project is don't guess. Everything from if mom is incapacitated and is dying, what are her wishes? To die at home? to die at the T. Boone Pickens Hospice Center, to die in the hospital, to go to the lake and go off in a boat. Like, what are her, do you want to die at home? Okay, let's just, let's just dumb it down. Yeah. If you're gonna die at home, fine. I, I honor your wishes, but let's get a little more detailed. Do you want to die in your bedroom or in the living room? Do you want to die next to the window or no sunlight? Do you want your glasses on or glasses off? Do you want your teeth in or your teeth out? Do you want your grandkids present or do you not want them to know at all? All of those things, you don't want to guess when, oh my God, now I'm got mom home and she's dying, but what does she really want? It's all laid out. Yeah. And that's just part of planning. You have to plan. And, and of course, finances come involved because nothing about elder care is inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, let's just, let's just take briefs, for instance. You ever priced? Depends. No, uh, no. They're expensive. I'm and sure that's they just are. I mean, one, you hear people talk about diapers. Right. Know, I don't have that's kids. That's just one like, element of elder care. The meds, the, the, the briefs, the hospital bed, the walker, the bedside commode. The, I mean, it adds up. The shower, All the bathtub that All you can walk in and the out The care. Of. The yeah. caregivers. You yeah. know? Um, and then you start thinking about, well, uh, we're going to save money. We're going to go private. This is a big conversation right now. We're going to go private. We're going we're gonna to save money. Oh, uh, well... The private caregiver that we hired stole mom's china because we didn't background check her. Or the private caregiver that we hired, she's amazing, but she got a flat tire and no one's here today, so now I'm changing mom's brief. You gotta think about all of those elements that go into putting a plan together. Yeah. Plan, you gotta plan. What would you recommend as far as like, I mean, are there programs that people should be looking at like that wanna like prepare for that? like or? What type of person should they go talk to to like make sure they have those coverages or those insurances in place? Yeah, like, so what for, do you guys for people refer? our age? I'll just tell you straight. Yeah, up. like for people our, our, our age, age. Long term long term care insurance cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's outrageously expensive. So um, let's talk about our, our parents' generation. Okay. Typically, um, they have a lawyer a financial advisor, somebody who has worked with them on their estate at some level. Even if you don't have a quote-unquote estate, you have something. Yeah. Where is it? What are the passwords? Who's the medical power of attorney? Who's the fiduciary power of attorney? What, what sibling is going to be in charge? 
I mean, my biggest nightmare is when I get a phone call from a sibling and there are six of them and they're all in charge. That's, yeah. that's a nightmare waiting to happen, right? Yeah. So, you know, my first question is, hey, is there a power of attorney in place? There is? Great. Can I have that person's phone number? Because at the end of the day, that's the decision maker. Yeah. So pick a decision maker and tell them all of your wishes. Everything from, do you want your glasses on when you're dying? To what your passwords? You want to, to be buried in your favorite dress? Or, all, yeah, you know, all whatever. of that. Whatever. I think that's plans? so important to have up front because when you see a parent or somebody passing away, the true nature of some of them siblings come out, they actually totally forget about the parent or the elderly person because they're already fighting over assets before that person is even gone. Yep. And if something's putting place, oh, well, I know that Garrett's in charge of everything. There's no argument to be had. There's no nothing to be whatever. Let's focus on mom, dad, whoever it is, because that's all set in stone. Ink is dry. Well, and what happens when they think that they're going to be able to relay these wishes and they haven't relayed these wishes? Like, you know, I can say my mom and stepdad have had those conversations with me to a certain degree. I probably need to have them to a deeper degree. You know, my wife and her parents, you know, I don't know how deep those conversations go, you know, but like they're all getting to an age where like tomorrow's not promised. So no. like, do you have a plan? Have I don't have, but I like, I mean, I don't, I mean, if I died in a, you know, God forbid I died in a car wreck on the way home, like Sarah's going to have a shitload of work to do. Like, I mean, of like trying to figure everything out. Like Man. we've talked about this recently, like, we don't even have a will established yet. Like we we need to do some of these. We just things. buried like, my dad. You know, in like, March. right like, there. How many will. people do you, you have that like are in these categories? Like, so I mean, because I know I know you deal with a big group that's like, let's just call them the way above average, like wealthy the 1 people. One percent affluent. Like, clientele. but even them, how many of them don't have enough stuff in place to really have this handled effectively? But they they have the money, but do they really have all this other do stuff they, laid out? They have out? the money, but do they don't have the plan. Yeah. It's interesting. So let me give you a little insight in our world. Okay. Once you're incapacitated, meaning once you've been diagnosed with, mm -hmm. a, with Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever it is, you can no longer make decisions for yourself. And so I find myself in the position to educate the adult children. Y'all don't need to argue about money because whatever your folks have or haven't left you is locked in. Mom cannot change her will. And yeah. I had this conversation not long ago. I, I had a resident in one of our care homes and we were talking to her about hospice and trying to explain to her the benefits of hospice. You pay into Medicare your whole life. Yeah. At some point, it's now your turn to get, to get back, right? Yeah. They pay, hospice pays for everything from a bed, hospital bed, to a bedside table, to medications, not all yeah. meds, but most meds, to um, briefs, yeah. all that's expensive, right? And I had a, a daughter tell me recently, as I was trying to tell her it's time for mom to go on hospice, and she looked at me, and as, as I was telling her about hospice, she said, mom doesn't get hospice, mom was a bitch. And I'm like, excuse me? I totally caught off guard. I'm like, this is not a time for revenge. Like, we're now helping your mother exit yeah. in a peaceful way with dignity. 
Yeah. So I try to tell adult children, and that was a one-off. I mean, that doesn't right. happen often. But I try to tell adult children that are worried about, I don't want to piss mom off by getting a caregiver because I really want my inheritance. That ship sailed. Whatever yeah. mom gave you or didn't give you is not being changed now. Yeah. So make some good decisions on her behalf that, that you can live with. Yeah. I hope a lot of people... You know, my demographics on this show really vary. And there's a huge group of you that are 55 to 70. This is a very important episode for you guys to listen to. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not even trying to be a dick about it, but like these are uncomfortable conversations. And, you know, it's kind of like, you, you know, we joke about the person that's a little bit older and, like, how their give-a-fuck just goes out the window. Yeah. Like, they can just say whatever. Like, we all have that There's grandmother no or that grandfather that, yeah. like, all of a sudden they have no filter. They can just say whatever, and you're like, whoa, whoa, that's not appropriate. You can't say that anymore. And they'll go, I don't give a right. blah, 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 blah. Like, but you need to, like, think about these things because what happens the morning that you wake up and now you can't do these things. Maybe you can't speak. Maybe you don't remember your name. Yeah. You know, like, that doesn't just happen over time. Like, I mean, it does happen over time, but, like, it doesn't, it's, it's not like, oh, that's coming in a week. Like, I'm still good now. I better go take care of all this right. now. Like, you need to have some foresight and to, like, make sure your kids aren't fighting. Make sure your family's not fighting. Like, set them up for success. Yeah. So they help it's you easier. when you can't help yourself. Yeah. When you can't help yourself. Yeah. Be able to allow them to help you without them having other battles and fights. Especially if you have money. If you have money, like, you definitely need to make sure this is... I, without saying any names, I'm going to say that, like, my brother, my younger brother, to be specific now... It's so weird I have to say that now. You know, I, I found out I had an older brother four and a half years mm -hmm. ago, like... It's so weird. I never had to specify which brother before. Right. I, I catch myself doing this all the time now. But my younger brother, his best friend and my dad's, his best friend's dad and my dad died within like a month of each other. Oh, wow. Like they both in their early teens or 20. I, I think my brother, my brother was like 20, 21 when my dad, he was 21 when my dad died. So, like, they both lost at, like, 21, they lost their dad. My brother's best friend then turned around and lost his mother, like, a year later, my brother's best friend. So, he lost both his parents. Now, both of them were in really good health to the common eye. They were highly affluent people. They were doctors or, like, in the medical field. Yeah. Like... And that all happened within like a year and a half, let's just say. We'll call it two years. Within two years, he lost both his parents. You would think that like between them and their children, like this stuff was all laid out. If this happened, this wasn't expected. Well, then it happened. Like the amount of fighting, civil wars that took place and family stuff was, I mean, I can't even make this stuff. It was so horrible. Like, I've never felt worse for a person. What's like, the, the adage? Um, money is the root of all evil. Yeah, but I mean, like, even things that were just materialistic things. Like, I'll, I'll tell you one. Like, his dad had bought him a Mont Blanc pen 
as a graduation when he got his four-year degree from the school he went to. I'm not going to say some of these things just because I want to leave this person some privacy in case anybody's trying to figure out who I'm talking about. But while he was at his mother's funeral, family members came in and robbed their house. Like, this, this pin got taken. Like, all the money and stuff that got taken out of the house, like, he didn't give a rat's ass about this. Like, he still had money. It was sentimental. It was sentimental. Like, yeah. it was the last gift his dad gave him before he died when he That graduated. happens more than not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just little things like this. Like, that's not a little thing to belittle it, but something like that. And I remember, like, watching him send the text, like, I'm telling you what. You have X amount of time to bring me back this pen in whatever way, fashion, shape you want. Drop Put it, it in off. my mailbox. Right. Have a courier bring it. I don't care. But if that pin doesn't come back here, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen next. It's like, and it's like people are not prepared for these things, and you don't think it's going to happen to you, and then this shit starts happening. Like, you know, you want to put two sisters or two brothers or whatever it ends because one thinks because of their experience with mom or dad. You know, just in my own relationship with my mom and dad, my younger brother is, you know, was just like my mom. I'm way more like my dad. Like, our interpretations of what dad or mom wanted is probably different because he relates better to her in a lot of instances. I relate better to him. You know, like... Sure. But then when if they were both incapacitated in a bad car wreck or something, we'd both probably have differing opinions of like how they wanted those moments to go or whatever. You know, unfortunate I haven't had those situations, right. but a lot of people do. Like but take I, the time I, to like figure these things out and like actually have a plan. Have a will that like specifies things or at least put the people in charge or the person you want to make those decisions for you. Who is the best person to make those decisions for you? Have a plan. Have a plan. Always have a plan. Like, don't rely on it just like, oh, well, my family's going to do the right thing. They know me. But hold on. It's not just the plan. Let's take it a step further. Yeah. Who knows your plan? Having a plan's great, but if it's locked up in a, in a safe deposit box or yeah. with the attorney or what, what? Share that with somebody. And let yeah. me tell you something. It's heartbreaking to hear the siblings argue or pandered to their parents and, oh, mom, I'm your favorite, or, you know, them, the siblings arguing, well, dad, mom, I was dad's favorite. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants me to, you know. It's, that's, this is not the time for that. This is what's best for your folks. Um, but if you didn't do it beforehand, you're leaving you're that to happen then. Yeah, you're leaving it to the siblings to guess and to argue about. So plan, plan, plan. And you're going to leave your family with not only the grief of, like, trying to deal with your passing, but then all the other bullshit and haste and anger that comes from them battling all that out. Right, but part of Back to the Conversation Project, part of that program is to answer all those questions. That's it so awesome. I've never heard of that, but It that's doesn't awesome. stop with... Mom wants to be cremated. It goes yeah. all the way to where? Where does she want her ashes spread? Where does she? I mean, what song do you want played at your funeral? All, you know, blah, do you blah, want blah. your teeth in? Do you want your glasses on? Do you want the? Do you want the shades open or closed? You want to die by the window? All those things that we think, oh, that's not important. Let's really let's focus on this. 
all of that's really important because it's important. Does this to them. cost anything no, for people to do? It's a like free. They can like a, go in and fill this out. You no. could actually download the the form, if you will. Yeah. On the conversation project, I think it's the conversationproject.org. Google it. I'm not Google, but okay. it's it's very very well known. That's awesome, man. I mean, I think that's great advice yeah. for people like plan ahead. Yeah. Don't guess. That's yeah. awesome, man. So. What do you think about the current state of healthcare in the U.S.? Like, and how do you guys battle that? How do you plan for that or deal with it? Because you know, like, there's a lot of battles going on now about: do we go to universal healthcare? Do we stay with what we have? Obamacare happened yeah. recently. You know, I wish I could tell you all of my thoughts on that. My mm -hmm. my world is so focused on private pay. We don't take Medicare. We don't take Medicaid. Yeah. We're not, we don't do any of that. I will tell you just from my minimal knowledge of it, yeah. it's not pretty. Yeah. And when people call me and they're like, you know, mom, you know, we're, we're on Medicare. Like my first comment is there's a place for everybody. Mom's yeah. not going to be homeless, but she's not going to be at Manchester. She's going to be in a shared room with a curtain down the, down the middle yeah. with 20, 25 to one ratio with untrained staff. I tease mine all the time telling her I'm going to put her on one of those cruise ships that they do for retired and people where they can just send like, them on their way. Sail and like, hey, they'll come check out you, your room and stuff. I'm sure that goes You're going to travel the world, mom. Right. Like, and there she is on her wheel going, right? what did that motherfucker say? <laughs> right. Yeah. She's um, on vacation and like, I think they're in like, they're in the Smoky Mountains right now. So right. she's probably watching, she's probably going to start commenting here in a little bit like this asshole. Uh -huh. Like, we're changing this all right now. Right. I'm going to the, the page right now and exactly. fill this out. It is not pretty, but it at least it's something. I mean, you know, this is America. You know, we do not take care of our people. We don't take care of our veterans. No, we don't that's take care so of our sad. elderly. It's horrible. And when I get the calls, which I do daily, um, I just have a list of resources to send them, whether it's the senior source or resources that I know so, with care homes that do take Medicaid and Medicare. Yeah. Again, it's not pretty, but it's care. So how, how, how do you compartmentalize that or how do, you, how do you deal with that on a daily basis? Because like, you know, like I, I think back to when I quit the insurance industry and like how high my blood pressure and stuff was of like dealing with people where agents sold them policies and like, People think, like, you know, I worked in, let's say, residential home insurance. Mm -hmm. When I did that, like, I'm now dealing with somebody that's having the worst day of their life. Their house burnt down. Their house was destroyed. They had a flood. They, you know, whatever the case be. And they're like, but I bought insurance. Like. I don't want to be the bearer of bad yeah, news. Like, look, I haven't seen your policy, but let me just give you some resources. I'm not totally emotionally involved in them because I don't have all the details. I just give them resources where I always tell people, don't go back to Google. You know, call me. I have resources. Don't be a WebMD doctor. Right, exactly. Yeah. I have research. I have a, I have a house list. Yeah. You know, I have a list for whatever you need. If you need DME, you need a hospital bed, you need a wheelchair, you need care at home, whatever it is, home health, hospice. I've, I have my vendors and my resources in place. Um, some take Medicaid, some take Medicare, some take long-term care insurance. Most are private pay. But there's care out there. Yeah. It just, it varies on one but level. How do you how do you compartmentalize or how do you deal with, like, the people that you can't even help? Like, that when you get those calls, I, I know you don't just get the calls where it's, like, somebody you can help. You it's get call, You I get a lot of calls help. where you can't help. Right. I'm, I always say I'm an unlicensed social worker. 
I have to put on my game face and focus on the, on the task at hand, right? The task is this person is on Medicare, Medicaid, their budget. So I get a lot of calls that, you know, with people that want to move into our care home. Our care homes aren't cheap, right? No. And we're the Ritz-Carlton of elder care, but there's still a Homewood Suites down the road with a nice bed, a secure room. It's still a nice hotel. It's not the Ritz, but it's still a secure hotel, right? Yeah. What's well, the same with elder care? There are plenty of really nice care homes or assisted living facilities in the two to $4,000 range yeah. that people can't afford. So there's a place for everyone. Okay. Yeah. But I am truly an unlicensed social worker. Every, every call matters, no matter if they can afford us or not. What's up, Lee? Hold on. I want to, he, he wrote me a little, a pretty long one here, so I want to make sure this. So Lee, Lee, one of our regular listeners said, this is so real. My wife and her sister will be going through this. We don't know how to convince her parents to put someone as an executor. And the person they did have has passed away. So what do they do if the parents don't change the executor that has passed? a good question i'm not a lawyer but i play one on tv yeah um you're on tv right now i know exactly seek advice from a professional a lawyer yeah um you know i'm i'm accustomed to working with adult children your age yeah that have aging parents well your aging parents have i'm sorry mom he just called you aging right sorry um but they have somebody that they're working with whether it's a wealth manager or an attorney or clergy or somebody that knows their situation yeah that can help guide them you know the advice i give adult children which is interesting it's usually the daughter-in-law yeah caring for her husband's parents or working with yeah um seek professional help there's got to be a lawyer involved at least drew up a will yeah or or something that that would be a good starting point um but there has to be a decision maker. So if something ever happened here, you guys. My mom just said, he called me old. <laughs> yes, mom, Forgive he me. did. I did not. Right. Brian right. did. Age so is all relative. Brian my is not wa- invited to Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I'll no. let him know. My mother's watching as well, and she is not old. <laughs> um, there's, there's somebody somewhere that has yeah. their hands on their So affairs. seek help. Absolutely. Get, get somebody that professional has licensed. professional and find a decision maker. Yeah. So when you can't make a decision, somebody knows your wishes. Yeah. It's important. It's really important. It's so important. I I truly hope that like all of my family, like my my mom, my stepdad. I know my mom's on here because she's commenting on here. But like, you know, even even my relatives and my in laws and you know my my extended family. Like, this stuff is so important and. You don't want to be in the position when it's too late. Like, put these things in place so that your children and your family do not have to question what you want when you can't tell them what you want. Don't, don't leave this up to a roll of the dice or assuming that they're going to know what's best for you or that they're going to agree on what's best for you. Like, Because when that stuff's happening, everybody's in panic mode. And I'll tell this from my own personal experience. I was 24 year old when my dad died. My dad, oh, fuck. Getting all emotional. I, I, I'm gonna yeah. try not to. But you know, when my dad died, my dad had already had a heart attack that he shouldn't have lived through when I was like 15, right? They told him, you will not see both of your sons graduate high school. 
All right. Well, my dad was still a very overweight man. So, and back then in the mid nineties, they didn't know everything, you know, medically about heart disease and everything else and how to tell you to do that. Like, well, walking around at 350 pounds, like, yeah, they got you to quit smoking. You're not going to give up your drinking because like, you're like, if I can't live my life the way, quote, if I can't live my life the way I want to live my life, then I don't want to live my life. All right, fine. Heard that a thousand times. And you know what? The older I get, I understand that to a certain mm-hmm. degree. And that's fair. You, you chose that. But like, we couldn't go tell him, like they said, like, all you can do is walk. When you're 350 pounds, just walking and not changing other things, you're not going to lose the weight you need to for your heart to have a chance. Now, do you want to be the family member that goes and tells him, cool, come to the gym with me, start working out. And then he fucking has another heart attack on a treadmill because he's doing more than just walking and he dies. Can you live with that? Are you going to be able to carry that burden? down the road probably not none of us were willing to make that decision right but i can tell you so two the night before my dad died my brother had never learned to play spades right my i was supposed to go stay with my dad hang out with him i decided to go to a park party my my little brother wanted to go up there and spend time with him and i was like you know what i'll come up tomorrow i'll come see you a little bit before i go to this poker party and hang out with you, which I did. And then my brother came up, and then I left the two of them. I went and played poker that night, right? My little brother stayed the night. My dad taught my brother, who finally had an interest in learning how to play spades. My brother now has a tribute tattoo from here to here of spades. Oh, that's a tribute that. to my yeah. dad, right? Well, if I didn't back out of that, he wouldn't have got that opportunity, right? But I passed on spending the last night with my dad alive, right? That weighed on me for a long time. The next day, my dad actually had the best day he had had in months. And all his levels finally got to where they needed to be that the following morning, they were going to put his pacemaker in. So when the doctor announced that the next day and said, all right, he's just going to, we're going to maintain him here through tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, we're going to put his pacemaker in and he'll be home soon. So... My dad's parents, my dad's sister, my mom, all of us went home. Like, finally, a break. We're going to shower. We're going to eat. My dad said, pick me up. He told my mom, pick me up a milkshake or something on the way back. I'm tired of eating this bullshit hospital food. Whatever. I'm at home showering. going to go see him to go play poker. I'm going to go see him before I leave. My brother just stayed the night before with him. I'm going to go see him for a little bit. I get the call driving up there that he's passing first person there they worked on my dad for 30 45 minutes i'm the one that finally had to say to my mom his parents and my aunt and my brother hey he's been brain dead for like 45 minutes all they're doing is pumping him full of drugs and even if he comes back he ain't gonna be the same right and we all know he said if i can't live my life the way i want to live my life i don't want to live my life the way i don't want to be a vegetable I, don't, I mean, if I can't at least live my life this way, I don't want to live. And I had to, like, raise my hand and say that. Mm-hmm. Don't make your child say shit like that. Like, that fucked with me for years. Like, I yeah. mean, like, that weighed on me so bad. And, like, we all did. 
everybody agreed with me because they knew I was right. They knew those wishes. But not everybody's family is going to do that. And I've watched that happen. So, like, make sure your wishes are known like we've been talking about. Make sure there's a plan when you're at that point. But it's like, like I said, he had his best day. He was getting a pacemaker that supposedly would have made everything right the next day. But it was his time. Mm -hmm. He didn't know it was his time. It was his time. He didn't have time to say, oh, I want X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Here you go. But I had to, I had to step up and say that at that point in time. I don't regret it because it was the right decision. Right. But at 24 years old, you don't be it took me that. a lot of time to come to that. And I had to tell right. that to his parents, man. Like, right. I had to look my grandfather and my nana in the eye and my mom and my little brother and say that. You know how hard that was? Like, that was super tough. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to see people have to go through that. Like, have a little bit of, like, like I know these are tough. I hate talking about death and the what if. Like, I'm always the optimist. Like, mm -hmm. I'm always, like... Don't bring that negative shit around me. Like, I don't want to ponder on negative. Like, let's talk about what we can do. What can we change? What can we work on? We're giving you guys, like, great advice here. If somebody that deals with this day in and day out, like, make sure you have a plan. Like, put these have, things in process. Have no regrets. Yeah, because, like, you don't like, want to. Today is the day. If you Whatever you want to say, tomorrow's no guarantee. And it's so cliche, and it's so, like, oh, yeah. you know, you're living your life. Tomorrow's no guarantee. My path, when I was 14, my father died. Yeah. He took his own life. Four months later, my grandfather drowned in a, in a boating accident that I was supposed to be on. Oh. Just like you, I didn't go on that fishing trip because I had a party to go to. I was 14. Yeah. 14, I was 14. I had a party to go to. Yeah. So the guilt I felt, I could have been there to save him. I know how to swim. He didn't. Yeah. You can't have guilt. Yeah. You just have to know. Eliminate Everything this. Everything happens for the reason, but don't wait till tomorrow to tell mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whatever you think, whatever you feel. I love you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Whatever it is, because tomorrow truly is no guarantee. Yeah. I mean, if my wife doesn't play Careless Whisper and Boombox it outside when I'm dead, like, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> like, right? I've joked about that long enough. That, uh -huh. like, you know, that's our Deadpool joke. But, I mean, like, seriously, though, like, there's so many things that people can do. Like, I just, there's nothing more I've hated. And I've seen it happen too many times where, like, people's families go to war when somebody that's close to them dies. Your immediate family. Like, family is so important. And then when it happens, it's like, well, why did that happen? You allowed that to happen. Like, you know what? But they're not here to, to hear you bitch about it right. or to see the aftermath. So I'm just asking that if you have children or you have these things, like, or you have a family, don't leave it up to whatever or that it's just going to work its way out. Have the difficult conversation. Plan it out a little bit because, like, in the end, that's what's going to happen. You thought the little family fights that were like small little feuds and everybody's family has shit. You thought that was small and mediocre when you were like perfectly healthy and like shit was going good. Wait till the shit hits the fan or you die. Right. It's all going to get magnified and be way worse. So do yourself some good now. I have sat in family meetings, whether it's a one bedroom apartment in Garland with six siblings or a 20,000 square foot Preston Hollow with four siblings. It yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money there is. I mean, I have seen vases fly. 
I've yeah. seen f bombs. I've, I've 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 seen and heard it all. Yeah, I'm sure. Why? What's the what, What's the reason when you know you can plan ahead and save everybody a headache, a heartache, and and you don't need to guess. Even if they don't agree with you, like. Right. What if somebody doesn't want to be, like, the family has a tradition of being buried in this cemetery? What if you didn't want to be buried there? Who knows that? You, know, you want to be cremated. You want your ashes spread on a family plot. You, you don't care. You want, you want your two sons to use your ashes and get a tattoo. Joke, mom. <laughs> um. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I a, what, whatever I a, it is. I had a, I had a client who, who's, uh, the, the joke was that his, his dad wanted to be cremated and flushed. Yeah. And so he had to explain to the family, dad was joking. We are not flushing his. Yeah. His, yeah. 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 Like, but I mean, like, but, that stuff's real. But when you, when you make your wishes known, there's no guessing. So there's no fighting. There's no arguing. And quite honestly, your wishes are honored. So plan ahead. Isn't that what you want in the yes, end? Of course that's what you like, want. Like, you just want it to be the way you want it. Like, and, and, I don't want a funeral. I'll, I'll say this on this podcast so people know. I don't want a funeral. I want people to come and celebrate my life. Like, I, I want to be cremated. I want my loved ones, my wife, whoever is still around to be able to spread my ashes. Do with them as you please. You want a tattoo with it? Get it. Go for that's it. That's cool. But TJ, not just, just an idea. No, I'm not just, just do you want to be cremated, but you have to yeah. go a step further. Where do you want your ashes spread? That's the right. big thing is don't stop there. Right. Like, there's so far that this can go, but right. I'm just saying, like... So many details past Yeah, that. like, pe but people don't want to have those conversations. Nobody wants to sit and think about death. I mean, at least I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's some really morbid people and that some people that have a different comfort level with death. I don't. Like, I don't want to sit and talk about this. Like, it's very morbid. That's very it Debbie Downer. Like, that's not... But... There's a productive way to do it. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, like, at least do it for your loved ones. But look at pre-death, up to death. Mm -hmm. it's, it starts with a diagnosis. Let's take the keys away. Well, there's family fight number one. Yeah. Oh, that's dad's independence. He can drive to the grocery store. He's fine. He's fine. Most accidents happen within five mile radius of your house. Yeah. Do you want that to be your legacy? Yeah. Killing the little kid that ran across the street to yeah. get the ball? Mom, dad, or legally, really like drive? what you said other that I earlier that I think is a very important point. If you wait till the diagnosis, there are some diagnosis that once that diagnosis is out, that ship sails. Your ship is gone. Yep. Like you can no longer call your attorney friend and go, "I just got diagnosed with blah blah blah. I now want you to write my will." Because now I know that the writing's on the wall. Mm -hmm. If you wait until the writing is on the wall, you are effed. Like, late. it's too late. Yeah. Like, legally, if that's challenged in the court of law, you did that after the fact, and you have now already had a diagnosis that deems that not legally binding. But the, Correct? The, true. But the problem is people think, oh, I don't have an estate. I don't have money. I don't need to call a lawyer and do all this. Yeah. Money or not, you still have wishes, personal wishes. Yeah. With, There's still with costs your, associated with even just your funeral. Sure. Like, at least lay that out for people. You know what a funeral costs? Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Plan yeah. ahead. Plan yeah. ahead. Uh, a friend of mine owns a funeral, funeral home. And, I mean, Dude, all day, you every know day. somebody in everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about that. Like, let's get off the, like, being, like, all serious Planet and, like, downer stuff. Like, 
Let's talk about some fun stuff now. All right, let's talk some fun stuff. Like, like I my, know you have, like, like crazy my, stories. Like, a car blew up in your parking lot at work today. Like, that's the, the type fuck? of conversation that when I, like, hang out with you, you're like, you're never going to believe what happened. I'm like, right. with you, you're damn right. Like, no, I'm no. absolutely not going to believe what you're <laughs> about to tell me because to anybody else, this would sound like you made it up. But, like, I actually know you, and, like, this shit happens around you all the time. Just like I'm like... Hey, Brian, did you hear Prince died today? And you send oh. me a picture of you hanging out with Prince. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. Like, <laughs> hey, hey oh, yeah, Bob Dylan wrote this song. Right. Like, I ran into oh, it at the Uncle coffee Bob. bar. Like, here, right. yeah, Uncle Bob, here, he hooked me up. It's a game. Who can you get to? Who can you get to? You're one degree of separation from everyone. You play the Kevin Bacon game all the I time. I play the I Kevin never, Bacon game. Why have I never put that together? Like that you do that all the time. All that, the time. That is the. The funny thing is, he. I, I heard an interview with with Kevin Bacon, and he he pretend. You know, when the, when the family comes, you know, yeah. for dinner at his house, he says, "You want to play the Kevin Bacon game?" And they're like, "Come on, Dad, Uncle Kevin, whatever." And he's like, "Let's just play it, whatever." Yeah. But I love the Kevin Bacon game. You're yeah. one degree of separation, but it goes back to sales. It's relationship it's sales. Yeah. Who can you get to? Yeah. Whether it's the owner of an apartment complex, the doctor who is the doctor for the billionaire who just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and needs care, I want him to call me. Yeah. One degree of separation. And it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Is your mom still commenting? I mean, my wife and my mom are going uh, back. My mom said, ha-ha, not my ashes. <laughs> I got a special tattoo planned uh, for those, mom. Right, right. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, I had, a, I had a, a client die, and he had no power of attorney, no family. He had a traumatic brain injury. This is not violating HIPAA because you don't know his name. Yeah. But I will tell you, I was his next of kin, and I didn't know this guy. So here I am making funeral arrangements for a gentleman I didn't, I barely knew. How'd you find out? Did he die? No, next to Ken. Like, oh, uh, he had none. And so how do you end up being next of Ken? I say next of Ken. I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm the only person that knew him well enough to know to plan a funeral. And so I called my buddy. Yeah. And I said, I'm planning a funeral for a stranger. And we went through the whole process. And I said, I, I, I think he was a veteran. And he's like, you have 48 hours to figure it out. And I literally went through every document in his room. And my, my friend told me the code to look for on the documents. And it was, you know, A22-4, whatever it was, and got him a full military honored veteran's funeral. That's badass, that I'd man. never I'd never been to a yeah. military funeral. And Sandy, our director That's of nursing, awesome. went to the Arlington Cemetery and had him full honors, the honor guard. They delivered the flag, bawling, crying. They delivered the flag to me, the whole thing. Yeah. I literally nuts. just went through that. We you, buried my dad in March. And it's so dope about that because not, my, my dad got all that. But I didn't realize that now because my mom was his wife. When she passes, she gets to be buried right next to him. Yeah. No she cost. Gets, she gets the benefit. And... Because my little brother, he's special needs. He also gets applied right next to the name, 
No costs. No when that happens from there, it's, yeah. But it's little things I remember like that when that. my grandfather died. I still remember hearing those gunshots, man, like that. Oh, it was oh, that the is, motorcycles that and the guys in uniforms yeah. saluting. And I don't come from a military background, so all of this was foreign to me. The yeah. salute, the motorcycles, the, the, the parade all yeah. the way to the, the site. But you know but what? it was an honor. It was my honor to honor him. That's awesome, man. I, I would really hope I had, cool. if I had no remaining family, like, I would hope they would pin you as my, like, next of kin person. Cause, like, I know how far you would go. You know, I, like, and, like, the amount of research you would do to, like, make sure that that person got that. Like, may he you didn't in- have to do that. Like, you could have just let him be another statistic. But, like, that's the type of person you are, like this dude that like was in your care through your services and you you went that far to make sure that happened but i will say today is sitting in my top drawer on my desk those guys when i say once you get hooked in hooked they take care of everything the only thing we had to do was get my dad's dd214 a cut we had to fill out a piece of paper front and back and what you wanted his headstone to say and they took care when i mean Literally, they made sure you had no weight on your shoulders any longer. Once you entered in, you get a time slot. But once you get there and do everything, they all handle it everything. all. With all true the way honor, in. like they knew him. They yes. were brothers in arms. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Do the right thing. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have any skin in the game. I mean, I don't tell this story right. often. But you know what? I did him right. For sure you he did. He was a good man. He was a smart man. He served our country. And... I was fortunate enough to come across the document at the 11th hour. And Absolutely. Yeah. Man. It's crazy. That's real crazy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some fun levy stories. Let's talk some fun stuff. Yeah. Like clients, background, yeah, yeah, construction. I, yeah. I, I don't even know where to go with this. Like, I don't know. What, what, what is the most recent crazy celebrity thing you ran into that you can talk about? Wow. Um, I was married at Neil Diamond's beach house. <laughs> Look at this. That, that, I'm of not course he you. was. Of he course has, he was. I have a running joke with family and like, sorry for all you. Like, I politely refer to you as my Jew. That's all right. Yeah. It's, like, it's endearing. It's like the Jewish thing. Right. Like, I was like, the only way to say this is it must be a Jewish thing. Like, and I joke about this all the time because it's like, he'll send me some random ass bullshit picture bullshit. and he'll be like. That's Photoshop. How many times do you accuse me? I don't know how to use Photoshop, by the way. All right, if I that, did. That stopped after like 2012 because right. I was like. There's just no way. Like, I've seen too much to, like, be able to, like, say that you do that. Like, it, it just happens all the time. Like, it, and it's funny because, like, I remember I was like, wait a minute. Like, so there's this one couple, you'll, you're going to know who I'm talking about, that you take a lot of family trips with. Or it's like, I'm assuming this guy has to be one of your best friends, went to college, something the Jewish fraternity, I don't know. But like, you literally like, I'm like, I remember you sent me this picture and I'm like, is that Neil Diamond next to you? And you're like, yeah, bro, I'm at his beach house right now. And I'm like, 
if this was anybody else, I would say you're so full of shit. Like, but like, no, that's real. Like, you're hanging out with Neil Diamond's son at his house and like beach house or whatever. And in Dallas, with the affluent, the athletes, the billionaires, the businessmen, at the end of the day, they all put their pants on one leg at a time and we got to care for them. Yeah. And whoever it is, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you know, of course we abide by HIPAA. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're the same as us. You're they, the same human. They need care. You know, that's one of the things I love about industrial. Like, when you're a member in the private lounge, like, there's all kinds of people that hang out up here. Yeah. And there's a reason you have to be invited into the private lounge. Because, you know what, we all treat those people with the same amount of respect. Because at the end of the day, you're just another dude or female that wants to come and enjoy a cigar. Yeah. And you want to sit down and have some, like, casual. You want to be treated like a normal human being. Like, it's the same thing. Like, I always say, like, I make fun of you because you always want a picture taken and you but like, not you're like the photo bomb. But yeah, not at a restaurant. Not in a restaurant. I'll give you that. None I of yours scruple. are. Like That's almost it. <laughs> none of yours are ever in a restaurant. No. But like, I'm the same way. Like, I don't ask anybody famous or whatever I've met, like famous on whatever that means to you, by the way. Right. Because famous can mean a lot of things. But I don't want your autograph. I'd rather shake your hand and say nice to meet you and have a five-minute conversation with you. My favorite celebrity stories are yeah. the ones that don't involve pictures that involve the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, Mickey Rourke telling me how much he loves Austin and how great the women are and the food and the atmosphere. And the, like, yeah. We're talking about Texas. Now, I love my picture with him because yeah. he's got the gold tooth and it's a great story, but we're connected. We're yeah. connecting. We're talking. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like You've got to have a... I would rather have the five minutes of a relationship or conversation with yeah. you than have your freaking autograph. Like, what are you going to do with that? Um, not David Robinson. T- Tim Duncan oh, ran into my best five. Like, I was an idol. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Tim Duncan. And I told him, you know, growing up, I was such a fan. I mean, it's just the two of us at Best Buy. There wasn't a customer in sight. And yes, we had he's this, a Spurs fan. We fight about this, too. Yes, we do. But we, 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 we were having this moment. And I said, I'm such a huge fan. I'd love a picture. And he says, I don't take pictures, but I'll sign something for you. And I'm like, I don't want an autograph. I mean, what am I going to do with an autograph? I'm going to remember this moment. I want it documented. My first TA. Oh, I got you on this. And this is a maverick story. F you, Spurs. <laughs> Still hate the Spurs. Still. And uh, Mike Bibby don't like Sacramento Kings either. And I know he's jacked and would kick my ass, whatever. But my first TA at San Antonio, the Mavericks, I think they were playing the Rock. Uh, no, they were playing Spurs. It was playing Spurs. They were staying at the same hotel as us for TAA. And I get in the elevator. I, I left the bar to go change because we were going to go somewhere else. And they're like, you need to put a collared shirt on. I was like, all right, cool. I'll go up and change. I get on the elevator. Dirk's on the elevator with me. I'm like, ah, you know, like it's Dirk. So cool. So cool. Took a picture with me. I look like a fat little Oompa Loompa midget next to him. And it's like, this is so weird. I'm six foot tall. And I, I legit look like a midget next to him. Imagine what my picture is. I imagine like. with you next to Tim it's Duncan. It's one I don't like to show. I'm laughing inside about this right now. It's painful. Yeah, it's awesome. I look, I so look. he took the picture with you? Dirk did. Here, here's no, the new one, though. Dirk did. David, that, TA, that, that one in San Antonio yeah. was when David Robinson spoke. Yep. I had my picture taken with him yep. at that show. Yep. And again, 
I look abnormally short, and I'm not, so I don't know what the fuck you're saying. One ring to One rule ring. them all. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like Mutt and Jeff. Mutt and Jeff, yeah. So the best part of this was, though, I go back downstairs, and the, gir- and this, the girls that were, like, hanging out with us and stuff are all latched onto this dude, and I'm trying to figure out who this dude is. Like, cause I, I know I've seen him before. It was Casey, like, the head Mavs trainer. And I was like, all right, he's a good-looking dude. Like, I get it. Like, all right, that's why they're following him around. Well, I, when I figured out what it was, I got introduced. We talked for a little bit. Well, then, like, when we're walking out, Eric Dampier comes walking in. And I'm like, I go up to, like, a couple girls go up, get their picture with him. And I walk up, and I'm like, what's up, Damp? I'm like, hey, bro, can I, can I take a picture with you, man? Like, really nice to meet you, man. Great game tonight. Like, that was awesome. You know, big fan. Can I get a picture with you? He's like... I don't take pictures with bros. And I'm like, really, dude? Like, Come you on. don't take pictures with bros? And at that time, Casey, the trainer's walking up with a couple of the girls. Right. They're like hounding over him and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, I get it. And like, when he walks up, I was like, hey, man, don't I know you? And Casey looks at me. He's like, you know, because like we just met mm-hmm. in the bar. And I was like, yeah, you're the dude that shoots the T-shirts out of the gun at the Mavs yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dan Pier lost his mind, like started laughing his ass off. He's like, yeah, that's a T-shirt guy. And like started busting on him. Like, because, you know, he saw it was like these girls and like Dan started getting him. He's like, hey, man, you want that picture? Just get over here. We're doing this quick. And took a picture of me. I guarantee I'm the only dude that got a picture with Dan Pierre. But it was Chicks because of the key to and a Casey photo came up to me afterwards. He's like, you're a dick. And I was <laughs> like, what did I do? He's like, T-shirt guy? Really? Do you know how much shit I'm going to hear now? Like, right. they're going to call me T-shirt guy for I don't know how long. But that's going to go through the whole effing locker room. I was like, my bad, bro. I was just trying to make him laugh because he was being a dick and wouldn't take a picture with a bro. Right. And he's like, I get it, man, but always F have a, you. Always have the beautiful woman with you, and you'll always get the photo op. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, you photobob and dog the bounty hunter and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that was not pretty. Yeah, that, that was, was not pretty. pretty. No. I would have rather seen the TMZ story where you got your <laughs> ass kicked by dog the bounty hunter. That would have been wife, way better. Beth got in on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Robin Lee. Beth Leach. probably hits you with the taser. That would have yeah. been awesome. Yeah. Security and, yeah. Never been arrested. Wait. I find ne- this really hard ne- to believe. Like, I almost want to hire one of my friends that I know could dig this up. You're telling me that Brian Levy has never had anything worse than, like, a speeding ticket, not a sponge from your record. Nothing. Even you in, like, high school, college, like, no public intoxication. No minor in possession. Nothing. Never been arrested. It's something I'm proud of. I mean, I've tried. I, I, I... I, Believe me, I put some effort th- into it. This might actually be the most <laughs> unbelievable thing you've ever Check the record. told me. Never yeah. been arrested. That's impressive. Right? All right, yeah. bro. But I have tried. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. That part's believable. Uh-huh. The rest of it, not so much. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to find somebody. Maybe I'm going to talk to this new wife, Sandy, and like figure out, uh, maybe let her do it's some funny. digging. I don't know that she's even ever asked me that question. She clearly has not asked you enough questions. She clearly did some research. Believe me. She must have. She had Because she agreed to marry you. Right. Willfully. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Willfully. I mean, like, 
I'm there was no like under the table lucky. money here. All right, so let's. You want to hear the story? Yeah, I do want to hear. I, I I I know a little bit. You recently told me a little more, but single for sixteen years. Yeah. Great ex-wife, great kids. Mm-hmm. Single for sixteen years. Serial dater. Sewed every oat imaginable and a few unimaginable, and got to the point where I'm like, this just isn't sustainable. It's not fun. I really want to kind of take it to the next level. I believe in the institution of marriage. I yeah. love love. And it just got boring. It, the game was over. It yeah. wasn't fun anymore. And I know my art single friends are like, what the fuck are you talking about? It just wasn't fun anymore. I wanted Being to, single is not fun. It is not. Uh, it's fun okay. for like the first six months. Yeah. And then it's 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 lonely and it's yeah. repetitive and boring. Um Sandy Came, she was kind of in the process of getting divorced, separated, and was looking for a care home for her for a family member. And so she and her sister-in-law, or yeah, sister-in-law, were looking for came to our care home. Yeah. They gave them a tour, and while they were leaving, I'm just you know making conversation. It was raining. Our house was full. I really didn't have any buy-in. I said, "What do y'all do?" And they both were nurses. And I'm like. All right, all right. And one was from Florida and one lives here. And so, of course, I focused on the one here. I'm like, we're actually looking for a nurse to come work for our company. Well, Sandy had been at Scottish Rite doing pediatrics for almost 20 years. She was interested in geriatrics. I'm like, all right, this is starting to jive. So, and I wasn't thinking romantically. I was just thinking, oh, well, this is a great opportunity for you to come We need the lie detector test right now. And uh, so we hired her. Well, at that time, I had a couple of, of, of women in rotation in my bench. I had a bench. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we hired her. She's, you know, working for our company. And, you know, every morning or every Friday, you know, Monday morning, it was, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? Was we were office friends. And how was your weekend? Well, l- you know, let me show you this girl. And I went on a date with this one. I did this. And, you know, it was just like she was I know you, so I, again, I still right. can't wait to meet her because she agreed to even yes. go on a date with you she after all this. Completely nauseated with this story. And so yeah. as time went on, I kind of started clearing the bench thinking, this is, you know, this is fun. And I, um, I asked her out just as friends, no big deal. And we got engaged and now we're married. How shortly after you asking her out did you guys get engaged? About a year. A year. It's not bad. Yeah. I waited long enough. I All did right. not want to wait. I knew right away. I'm like, this is my soulmate. I'm done. I got married after a year. Yeah. You did it after a year. Actually, uh, my I mean, wife I pushed did, it up. This is all the believable part. I like, knew. how he convinced her, like, because <laughs> I know him. And when he's showing her the shit I know he was showing her and like, Hey, this is what I did this weekend. Blah 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 blah. Like she had to be like, ugh. Like you're dating her. Yeah, and just ugh. So yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I'm, I'm impressed. To this day, she's still ugh. Yeah. You went out with that. Yeah. But that was dating. This is marriage. Mm-hmm. This is the real deal. As I tell her, she's a real woman. Yeah. She is a real woman. That's all. I'm, I'm impressed. I can't wait to meet I her. Look I'm to looking forward to our her. dinner together. Yeah, right. I'm sure Sarah will enjoy this thoroughly as well. Let Sarah interrogate her and get the, the full scoop. Oh, Sarah. But this is, is the story yeah. that will be told. There's no embellishment. 
this is this yeah is no, I, I fully believe you. Yeah. you you don't leave a lot to be uncovered ever I'm a open you're, book. you're an, open, I'm an book. open book you're you're you you always have been like that that's always been the cool part yeah all right so now's the interesting part of the show we're winding down here so I have a couple of questions I ask every guest usually it's just one but if you have kids I ask you two so you have two twin boys which man like i feel so old now like you were like asking me about helping them find them a, their first apartment and stuff recently right? and i'm like god i remember when they were like diapers. yeah they were like little yeah. kids and i'm just like and they're so identical it's not even funny it's a little less now they looked alike they're fraternal yeah but they did look alike Back in the day. Yeah, but like now, I now can totally tell the difference. Sure. But like for a long time, I was like, God, like how do you tell them apart? Right? Like they had the same little crazy little afros uh -huh. and stuff. Like uh -huh. it was crazy. These are Jufros. All right, yes, Jufro. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, going to yeah. call it that, but you, all right, fine. You can, so I can. Sure. All right, cool. So <laughs> if you could only leave your boys with one piece of advice maybe anything you want what would that one piece of advice be that you would leave them with do the right thing just do the right thing it comes back in spades you'll sleep well at night operate with integrity and the rest is the rest will fall into place that's solid advice yeah. Yeah. All right. Now the big one. Well, I don't think it's big. It's called Common Sense, the podcast, right? Right. So you're sharing common sense. We hope that people gain some common sense from us talking about all the failures, all the, you know, the come up, the stories that we have, you know, the life experiences. Uh, hopefully you learned something and maybe you don't have to make a pitfall that we made along the way, right? So... Share your two cents. And your two cents can be about anything. It could be something that's just been on your mind lately. Some of you are inspired from the show. It could be whatever. But give everybody Brian Levy's two cents. On any particular subject? It could be just about your business. Cents? It could be personal. It could be words of advice. It could be Life whatever. in it, general. It, it, life in general. I mean, it can just be your two cents. Like... You're leaving our audience with the, this two cents. My, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is something that you and I have kind of been weaving in and out of this conversation is find your passion, whatever it is, yeah. and turn that into work, and it won't feel like work. Because people ask me, you have asked me every time we have lunch, dude, your phone's ringing off the wall. Yeah. You work seven days a week. You work, work, work. But when it doesn't feel like work, yeah. it's gratifying. It's not work. Well, I think it helps too that your your wife is in the same industry too. No so doubt. Like, we always say we nobody yeah, would marry nobody would be married to people like us that are answering our yeah. phones even during intimacy. I mean, our phones ring. We have to answer it, right? TMI, bro. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn it. But find something that you're so passionate about that you don't call it work. It's not the W word. It's this is what I do. Yeah. And that is the most gratifying thing. All right. I normally end it here, but I'm not going to end it here. How do you differentiate? And I think this is important for people because, like, 
so many people get hung up, myself included, you know, defining the difference between purpose and passion. Because, and I say that because like a lot of people get really hung up on like, well, what, what's my passion? And they want to make that their purpose. You follow me? Like mm-hmm. they, 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 they want to make their passion their purpose. And I don't know that everybody has a good grasp of either or by definition. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you, you feel like, you know, especially in your early 20s, like, all right, I got to find something that's my purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, then you forget about your purpose and you start focusing on passion by your 30s. And then you get to your 40s and you're like, man, I just want to find a mix of this. Like, I want to make the same money doing something I'm passionate about, but also fulfills my purpose. So those words get intertwined a lot, but they really need to be looked at separately. Maybe have you looked at that separately throughout life or how did you combine the two or where did you find your balance between purpose and passion? That is a really good question. I'm going to steal that question for my podcast. Sweet, do it. Go for it. Hold on, let me... (laughs) Mm. Yeah, go for it. Purpose and passion. I mean, I have floundered from career to career trying to find my passion and purpose. Don't let work define you. You know, oftentimes people will say, well, I'm the most powerful lawyer, or I'm the best surgeon, or I'm the best... That's not... That's not who you are. That's your profession. Yeah. But that's not who you are. Absolutely. And you have to, you have to delineate the two and, and figure out, yes, you're a doctor, but who are you as a person? And I'm in elder care, and it's gratifying, but what can I give back to my community that I serve that I sleep well at night knowing I'm caring for this community? So is that my purpose? I have floundered from career to, to career. Yeah. And I say floundered. I was just trying to find my place in the world to find a career that I was so passionate about that I didn't call it work. Yeah. I said, this is, this is what I do. And mind you, you were very successful at all these things that you did because you still put passion behind what you're doing but i think until you found your purpose and aligned it with your passion that's where it all merged it all merged at that point but you combine those two things exactly like you still put passion behind and were successful at pretty much all of these steps along the way to where eventually you are where you are now but now you've aligned those things, correct? I, through, yes, you right. hit the nail on the head. All those times I was successful and I was met, I was met with, with levels of success. It's to still, each their own level of definition Right, but it of still wasn't gratifying. Yeah. Now, when someone says, dude, your phone's ringing five, eight times during lunch, to me, it, it doesn't even phase me. It's my pleasure. I find yeah. gra- it's gratifying, even if it's not a person. You're one of the few people that that's not annoying either. Like, I have to say that because... And I think it's because those things are aligned. When I'm sitting there having lunch with you and your phone does this and you answer it, like I'm sitting there looking at you and I'm like, God, he's loving every minute of what he's doing. And like, I hear you having these passionate, real conversations with people and like, like he's in his zone. Like, I can't be mad that he just took this call. Like, right. I'm not insulted. I'm not like, I don't feel put, put aside. Like, 
oh, wait, he, oh, this is so important that I'm not important enough. Like, he's going to blow off my lunch. Like, no, I'm actually like, man, I'm, I'm happy for my friend. Like, my friend is doing something that he's really passionate about and, like, really involved in. Yeah. Like, this is cool. Like, I'm happy for you. I love that. Like, that's, yeah. I think that's it's, the kind of stuff that happens when it all aligns. It's all aligned. That's not work. That's me hoping, believe me, those phone calls, no one's asking me to lunch. No one's asking me to go on their ski boat. Yeah. They're in crisis mode. They're crying. Yeah. They're freaking out. And I'm their first line of, yeah. I need help. Absolutely. Whatever I can do, whether I can help you or I can give you a resource to help you. Absolutely. That's, hence the podcast. That's what that's all about, is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. Awesome, man. Just want to help. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming and doing this show, man. That was awesome. You're one of my, you're one before, of my close friends. I'm not one to talk about me, so when you, you asked me to come on the show, I'm like, I'll talk about Cambridge. I'll talk about Manchester. I, and you kind of forget what you're doing when you're here, though, right? Absolutely. Because like, we're just we two it. guys sharing a cigar, having some drinks. I ordered a pizza two hours ago, and here we are. So You must have ordered from the wrong damn place. <laughs> All right, folks. I really hope you guys enjoyed this show. We're going to get into deeper conversations like this, as you guys have seen my posts over the last couple of weeks. I do have a big announcement. I, I said that over the last couple of weeks. The show is moving to Thursdays. Like, it works out for us. The remodel that's going on here at Industrial, Biz and I's schedule, and a lot of the guests, it's it's freeing up and, and allowing us to get some of the guests that we want. So starting next week, same time, same place. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook Live. But it's going to be Thursdays, 6 to 8. You guys can catch us here. We'll be doing what we do. I got some interesting guests coming up for you guys. I got another industry one coming up. Y'all wanted industry people, so Brian had, that was like 50-50 industry. Next week, I've got the Bear Brothers, is what I like to call them, Bear Paint. I've got Mario Garita and Randy Rivers coming on the show. What's up, Mario? Yeah, we're going to rock that one out. I've got, you know, Tony Hills that you guys heard in season one. I felt like I didn't do that one justice. So I'm bringing Tony in to really dive into a book that he referred me to. The Creature from Jekyll Island. Y'all want to talk about money and finances? Go check that book out. It's crazy. It's going to blow your mind. But if you want to have a basis... We're going to dive into that and the education of all that and finances and everything else. And I, I can guarantee you, Tony's going to bring the heat when we do that one. And then the week after that, we'll be back. But that show is actually going to be a Wednesday show because of scheduling conflicts and whatnot. And then I'm going to be out of town for a week. But moving forward in general, count on the show being on Thursdays, 6 to 8. The music show before the amplifiers is coming in hot. That is developing a lot of steam. Stay tuned for more announcements for that. And the website for Common Sense, the podcast, is about to be live. It's coming real soon. I know I've said it was going to be a week or two weeks, but I just haven't been 100% happy with everything and I, I want it to be badass be right. I want to have the merch that you guys want I want to have everything be right so 
It's coming, I promise. We are working on it. If you're actually still listening, I'll tell you right now. It's actually live. If you go to it, it's actually live. It's not the finished product. There's going to be more stuff on there. But look forward to seeing all of you next week. Hope you'll join us again, and I hope you guys enjoy this show. Peace. Peace.